Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. We're so thankful that you chose to listen to this message. To get more connected with us, you can look us up on all social media at CLC Victoria and download our app. Now, here's this week's message. Hey, grab your Bibles. Let's get into the Word of God. Mark chapter 2. Are you hungry for God's Word tonight? I want you to turn to someone and tell them, only God. Only God can. Only God. And we appreciate all of our acoustic players tonight. Good job. Is today your birthday? Was it yesterday or today? Yesterday. Yesterday. Everyone wish them a happy birthday. Manny, happy birthday. Cuatro años. 27? Congratulations. 27 years old. Yeah. Just accept it in Jesus' name. <laughs> Are you ready? I'm glad to be in church tonight. Lord Jesus, thank you tonight. Come on, pray with me. Invite him again. Let's get focused again. You can never pray too much in God's house. We do it all the time. Lord, we thank you for your presence tonight. God, thank you for what you're going to do tonight. People are here to get refreshed, so refresh them. Father, they've had long days of working, long working hours. And God, we want their spirit to be ignited. So Lord, let the word come come with revelation. Let this word come with inspiration. Let it come with encouragement. And we'll give you all the praise and all the, all the credit, God, for every good thing. In Jesus' name, everyone say amen. 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 Only God. Only God. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And again, he entered into Calpurnium after some days, and it was understood that he was in the house. And when he went into the house, and the scripture says, and forwith, this is out of the, out of the, uh, the Webster Dictionary, um, the Webster Bible, <laughs> and forwith many were assembled, so there was no room to receive them, no, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word to them. So he was in a house, he went into Capernaum, Capernaum, and he preached in a home, and when they all came to see him, there was no room in the house. And they come to him, bringing the sick, one with palsy, one who was born by four. And then when they could not come nigh to him by reason of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, and they, they let the bed on which he laid with the palsy, in which the sick lay with the palsy. In other words, they, they broke up the roof and they laid down the, the person who was sick and they lowered him down in front of Jesus. Now, when you're desperate, you're desperate. When you are desperate to see God answer, how many of you know that you'll do anything, you'll pray as long as it takes, You'll act in faith no matter what just to see God move. Do we have any people in this place that have ever been desperate for God's presence or God to heal you or God to touch you? Desperation goes a long ways. But, but then he goes, and when Jesus saw their faith, see, Jesus recognized that. He said to the sick with the palsy, Son, thy sins are forgiven thee. But when there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, they said, Why did this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but only God? 
Who can forgive sins but only God? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that there was so read that they had so reasoned within themselves, he said to them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the sick with the palsy? Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Rise up and take up your bed and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power. Someone say power. Aren't you glad you serve a God who has power? He does have power. And then he said, but that you may know that the Son of Man had power on the earth to forgive sins. See, he emphasized the power to forgive sins more than he did the power to raise up the sick. That's very important. And he said, he said to the sick with the palsy, he said, I say unto thee, arise, take up your bed, thy bed, and go into thy house. And immediately he arose, took up his bed, went forth before them all. So they all were amazed, glorified God, saying, we never saw it on this fashion before. We've never seen it done like this before. It was new to them. But what's amazing to me was he did it in a way that he wanted to, not what they expected him to. Tonight, I'm going to talk to you about only God. There are, only, there are certain things that only God can do and God will do if you will trust him. God can do anything that you ask or think according, this is what the scripture says, according to the power that works inside of you. It is up to you to see God move, to see God begin to work, and to recognize that if you want anything to happen, you're not waiting up on God. God is waiting up on you. Are you ready tonight? All right, somebody say, God bless his word tonight. Give the Lord one more hand clap of praise like he's already done something for you. Come on by faith. By faith, thank him right now. By faith, like he's answered your prayer. Like he's taking care of that problem. Like he's taking care of it already. In Jesus' name, everyone, you can be seated tonight. Uh, when I was praying today, I didn't feel like God was giving me the message. And uh, I've already have messages already ahead of time. My son asked me one time, he said, Dad, how long does it take to prepare a sermon? Uh, probably about maybe 20 years ago, I would have probably said it takes about two weeks for me or a week. Now, my answer to him is, you know, and, and maybe 10 years after that would have been maybe an hour or two or three hours, maybe a whole day. But now my answer is, you know, it takes a lifetime. Sermons aren't built in a moment, not in a week. They're built in a lifetime. And, and so tonight I was thinking and asking today, yesterday and this week, asking God, what would you have me to tell you? How can I encourage you? And he gave me a little, little bit of information, but he spoke in my spirit and said, only God, only me. There, there, is, there is a moment in your life when you realize that you have no other options, and then you have to realize that the only option you do have is to depend on God. And so, so sometimes we find ourselves in a de desperate position. And I think we've all been in desperate positions before. You know, we need answers. We need results. We need something to happen. 
And, and most of you who live by faith, I have some, like I'm in a box right now. Most of you who live by faith and understand what it is to live by faith know that you wait to give God a chance before you would actually make a move to find help or assistance. Well, no matter what the problem is, I'm not identifying any particular problem, but how many of you know by faith most of the time you want to give God a chance? You want God to prove himself. You want God to step in. You want God to prove because it's going to help your faith and and you need your family. Your family needs to see God move. But if you keep on putting the options that you have, if you keep on choosing other things before you call on God or give him a chance, you are never going to see the miracles, the supernatural provision of God or the the, the angelic host that God has assigned to you. Because I do believe there's more than one. You'll never see the love of God, and if you're constantly taking vengeance and stepping in front of God, it, and it takes a lot to see the love of God work. If you've ever prayed, God, I want to love more. I want to love more. I want to love you more. Well, loving him more requires a process of trusting him more and seeing him come through more. To whoever is also forgiven much, loveth much. And to whoever much is given, much is required. But have you ever prayed, God, show me how to love, and all of a sudden you had an opportunity to hate? We know, the old, we know this one, of course. Everyone always says it, never pray for patience. Well, I'm just going to, let me just, let me just help you with that. If God, if you're producing fruit in your life, you don't have to worry about asking for patience because God's going to make sure you develop patience. You will. Because what he put inside of you is far more precious. It requires character. Like this past Sunday, you don't want to have your soul leaking out the blessings and the anointing and the provision of God in your life and feel empty while God is filling you up. So life is filled with challenges. We know this. How many times do we ever get in a position where you have no other options? I do not think it is an unhealthy thing to do. I, I hate, I would hate to look, and, and I've, when my children were little, I'd see my kids getting picked on. I'd see them being bullied. And, and when I first saw these things happening, I heard that something was going on. Uh, as a newbie, a new parent, how many of you remember when you were a newbie? How many of you have more than one child? Or, you know, and you remember someone was picking on your baby, and you came out of your 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 your, your finesse and you came out of your etiquette and all of that wonderful personality that everyone loves and you became a ferocious lion <laughs> and you stepped out and you tried to step in and tried to fight on their behalf and you know nobody treats my child that way nobody touches or nobody talks to him or nobody I'm not going to let you call the parents up right away. Did you know that your child, I just want to call and let you know, hi, hi, this is, this is, this is how you doing? This is Mr. Rivera. Just, 
I'm going to call and let you know, and you're first cool at first, right? Because you want to sound professional and you want to sound kind. Your, your little Joe, um, he just, he's been bullying my boy. And I want to give you a chance to deal with it. Um, but if you don't deal with it, <laughs> there you go. You messed up the whole thing. Now you're a threat. I said that because we can all relate to that. Or maybe you feel threatened by somebody on your job that's probably jockeying for position. Maybe you feel intimidated because somebody else, uh, should I even say this? I, okay, I'm going to say it. Hate me, love me, it doesn't matter. I am who I am. Maybe it's because maybe you are intimidated because somebody's trying to steal your man or steal your woman. Whew, that's a tough one. I don't know about you, but I was the jealous kind. I was a jealous guy when I first met my, I don't want nobody messing with her. I mean, it was bad, guys. You looked at her, what are you looking at? You know, yeah, take a picture. <laughs> Jealous. Give me that. Give me that. I wouldn't even know Spanish. The Latino comes out. Can't even speak Spanish, but I'll try to in that moment. Because it just seems more intimidating, right? You speak Spanish, they think you're in a gang. <laughs> right? South Texas. But, you know, but. Every single one of us have been in positions where we become worried. I can go back to every one of my examples and I can bring out what I was trying to tell you, but this I'm going to just kind of title in. Sometimes God allows you to be in a circumstance just like Daniel in the lion's den. Just like Daniel, no hope, no, <laughs> no options. What I really enjoyed about this story when I read it in Mark was, is that there was a, there was a man who was sick with the palsy. He was sick and he was ill. Now, if you can look at this house like a conference or a show, I mean, have you, ever, have you ever been so excited about a movie, and when you get there, they're all sold out, and then everyone says to you, you I, I told you, I, I told you, you should have bought them online. You ever been so disappointed where you felt like, man, I wanted to go there, but there's no more room? There's no more seating? They're all sold out. Have you ever been in that place? I don't care what it was, concert, movie, show, whatever it may be. Uh, whatever it was. Well, can you imagine how they felt the family to the one who was sick when they got to the house and everyone said, there is absolutely no, no more room. No more room. Some of the time, that's all we, we, we can really relate to. You know, those circumstances. But in their circumstance, their family was sick. There was somebody who was fixing to die. And the only hope they had was Jesus in that moment. Because they knew that in that moment, in that house, there was something going on that was going to happen, that their miracle was in that house. 
their miracle was in that house. And, and the one thing they did, they did not take the news or the, the house being full as a sign that it's not God's will. They didn't look at that, uh, that venue and say, you know what, it just wasn't meant to be and walked away. When you know it is God's will for something to happen in your life, you become desperate and you'll make a way where there seems to be no way sometimes. We always quote the Bible and we always say, God makes a way where there seems to be no way. But do we ever get the revelation that sometimes we have to initiate the, the option or the way for God and act by faith and and then know that, hey, listen, if we act by faith, if we do what we can and not give up, then God will meet our faith, and that's what he did for them. Point number one, what I want to tell you tonight is, in a circumstance where you can't do anything about it, God responds to your desperation. God will respond to your desperation. And, and Mark 2 and 4, again, it said, and when they could not come nigh to him for reason of the crowd, they uncovered the roof. They uncovered the roof. I don't know how they got on the roof. I don't know if they did a little monkey ladder. You know what a monkey ladder is? You don't know what a monkey ladder is? When you were little, did you just kind of kneel down and somebody else got on top of you and somebody else got on top of them and you just kind of climb. I don't know what they did. They climbed on the roof. They were going to get on the roof. Someone said, hey, you know what? Just because the house is crowded doesn't mean we don't, we, we can, we don't have, to, we, we can be denied or, uh, or we can, we, let me get this straight. Just because the house is crowded doesn't mean God can't meet our needs. No matter what, I want to get on the inside because that's where it's happening. That's where Jesus is at. They did. You know what the crazy part is? It wasn't their house. It wasn't their house. <laughs> it wasn't their home. But they were desperate. It just seemed to fit in the moment. Why not? Can you imagine? I don't even know. I know they were probably... Uh, they were they're all jewish i know that they were of a different descent but i can imagine if latinos were there they would say something like sabes came man look we can climb the roof dude we climb the roof then we lower him down go get some rope go get some rope don't it don't matter whose house it is right? so just just go they don't mind i know them they know my cousin i know them i know them let's go over let's go over <laughs> No sense, man. No sense. Don't care. All they wanted was for their family members to be healed. And when you're desperate, sometimes, now, don't misunderstand me tonight, but sometimes you have to start thinking outside the box if you want to see God move. You have to get out of your comfort zone if you want to see God move. You can't just sit there and think God's going to drop it on your lap. Sometimes you have to get on the roof. Sometimes you have to tear it apart. And sometimes you have to be creative. How desperate are you to see God move in your life? And 
you know, this is when you have to break your schedule. I get up at this time. You know what? I'm so desperate. I'm going to set my clock an hour before so I can get to God before it gets crowded. You understand what I mean by being crowded? I mean, honestly, when early in the morning when you wake up and it's something about hitting the traffic. I know Victoria's not Houston or San Antonio, but still, you know, things get moving. You hear things going on early in the morning outside my window. Uh, I can hear the, the, tr the trash truck picking up the dumpsters. And I hear the little beeping. Beep, beep. I can't do the beep. I lost that high pitch. Beep, 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 whatever. It, <laughs> I can hear that truck backing up. And I can hear that dumpster. Five o'clock every morning. And before everybody's going, I don't live far off in Navarro, right? So you can hear every, all the traffic, all the whatever. That's what we miss living in the country. We missed it when we didn't have a lot of thoroughfare or whatever, you know. But before things get busy in your life, you have to plan ahead. You know, the, the old saying, don't you, the early bird gets the worm? That's why most of the time I do a lot of my praying at nighttime when everybody's sleeping. That's my, most, that's my favorite time to pray, especially if you are desperate. You're going to lose sleep, and you're going to sacrifice some time, and you're going to get out of your regular schedule, and you're going to do something about your circumstance because God will meet you there, and God sees your desperation. When, how many of you want your circumstance? Now, I don't know what you're dealing with, but I felt God tell me this to tell all of you, how many of you have a circumstance that you really not want to that really needs to change in your family or in your life right now? It needs to change. I'm talking about it may not be everybody. Maybe you're blessed and content with how everything's been and everything's perfect in your world. But I'm not talking to perfect people. I'm talking to imperfect people tonight who need a desperate moment in their life. What is in your life where you really need to see God move? The question you have to ask yourself is, how desperate are you? Now, I can answer the question on God's end because it's in the Bible. Not speaking for God, but at least being an ambassador to him because he did call us to be ambassadors. I can only represent God according to his word and what he's already said. And he has said that he would move mountains on our behalf. He has said he would heal diseases on our behalf. Whether or not you've already seen disease and cancer and sickness destroy a family member's life, whatever it may it doesn't matter. God is still a healer. And guess what? If they passed on to be with God, then they are walking in the fullness of health right now, completely made whole and with a new body right now. So God did answer the prayer. But what I am saying to you in your life, how desperate are you to see something happen? Congratulations for coming to church on Wednesdays and, and, and Sundays and being committed to every other function that we have. It's a great thing. It'll keep you saved. And, and just to throw this out there real quick, we're moving 
for the summer, we are moving to one service on Sunday to 1030. And I'll explain that later. But don't get confused. We're still having our Wednesday nights. Okay? There's a lot more I can tell you about that, but I'm not going to get into it right now. Then when school starts again, we're going to go to 9 o'clock and then 1030. Okay. That's my little commercial. For, well, you got to tell you, you got to remind you, right? you got to say it about 10 times before the day comes because somebody's going to say, well, we never knew. No one ever told me. Open your ears. Right? When you were little, did you ever, mom ever grab your ears and pull you like that? Right? Okay. So anyhow, help me, Lord. Turn to someone and ask them, how desperate are you? How desperate are you? Say it to somebody. Look at them and tell them out loud. How desperate are you? How desperate are you? How, how badly do you want to see your circumstance change? Are you fed up with barely getting by every single month? Are you fed up with not getting the position that you know God wants to bless you with? Are you fed up with constantly having to deal with addictions in your life. And let me encourage somebody, and let me tell you something. The reason why some people can't get ahead is because they can't make up their mind. They can't make up their mind whether they want to live for God or be out in the world. And live for God or be out in the world. And they're just double-minded, stepping in both places, and you're wearing yourself out. But once you decide to jump in and get all in, it'll help things a whole lot more. But how desperate are you? How desperate are you to get this done? And there, there comes a time where you have to make sacrifices, where you have to set things in motion, where you cannot look at everybody else. Listen, you were made, I'm going to just tell you straight up, yes, you're part of the flock. You're part of God's pasture. You are sheep in his eyes, but he also gave you the ability to have dual natures in the spirit. He also called you to be an eagle. And eagles don't fly in flocks. Eagles are leaders. Eagles fly above every storm. Eagles fly higher than any other species that would just peck on them and harass them at lower levels. Eagles have the ability to see further, to fly higher, and to ride turbulent winds. But as an eagle, you have to make up your mind that you have to make the journey on your own for the sake of your family, to prepare a way for them. God has called some of you to be John the Baptist, to lay your life down so the anointing can come in. That's what John the Baptist did. He made a way for Jesus Christ. He made a way. He gave his life. But how desperate are you? When do we say, okay, that's a great plan. Now let's implement the plan. Or when are we going to say, let's sit down and write it out and let's get it and let's start planning this thing out and let's start acting on it and let's be consistent with it. It's not about taking big, gigantic steps. It's just, listen, listen, in that scripture, they begin to disassemble the roof. One shingle or whatever it was at a time. 
Just one piece at a time. Being consistent. God doesn't expect you to be a wrecking ball and go in there and knock the whole outfit out, you know, and just go in there, you know, surprise. We're here. We're here. Hello. How you doing? Right? I want you to do something. I don't feel to move on. I feel like I need to just, I got two more points. I'm just going to drop it, but, but I feel like this has to be inside of our spirit. Sometimes I want you to close your eyes for a moment because I don't want to entertain you. I want you looking at me. I want you to think about where you're at, what it is, because I don't know everything, but God does. Only God can do this. What is it right now? What is it right now? Target it. I don't want you to think about five different things, or I don't want you to think about three different things, not even two, but one thing. One thing that would make all the difference in the world. It could be your prayer life, and I'm going to tell you something. If you target it, your prayer life, through your prayer life, an anointing will flow in through your life and begin to overflow into everything else. One thing the devil's not afraid of is a prayerless Christian. But praying in the Spirit is the most powerful weapon and coupled with God's Word that can set the captives free, that can open up opportunities. So let's just say it's prayer. Let's say we need to learn how to pray. Let's say we need to go to a different dimension of praying. Let's say that we need to get a deeper relationship with God. Let's just say that's it for a moment. What are we willing to do and plan out to spend that time and to, and, and to engage with God in prayer and stay there long enough and, and learn how to pray regardless of the circumstances and be determined in our mind that I'm not going to let uh, uh, the devil or a life discourage me from that and deter me from detour me from that and turn me around but i am going to take the inheritance that's been given to me by god and i'm going to stand in the will of god and i'm going to seek god until something happens because i promise you if you will push if you will pray until something happens you will see god move in your life if you become desperate enough if you become hungry enough, if you'll become determined enough, now what is that one thing? I want you to see it knocked down right now. See it knocked down. Just imagine in your mind that one thing being gone, God taking care of it, God's spirit moving through you, giving you wisdom, giving you favor, giving you authority, that spirit that's been hounding your children, that spirit that's been working against your marriage, that spirit that's been coming against your finances. It's a spirit of poverty that comes against you, and it feeds your mind. That spirit of offense, that spirit of hate, that spirit of jealousy, that, that, that spirit of feeling like you don't have control of your, your circumstance or your family. Well, you know that God wants to move in your family and move in your life and move inside your career and move in your, in your, in your heart, in your mind. Envision God in his word, breaking through that circumstance. Now see yourself walking in it and being blessed and walking with authority and walking with favor and walking with peace and walking with gratitude and walking with praise in your lips right now because God is answering your prayers. Can you see it? Can you see it? I'm asking you, can you see it? I'm asking you, can you see it? Somebody answer. Can you see God moving? Can you see God moving? Can you put yourself right there? 
That's why God gave you a mind and an imagination so you can use it for his glory and see things change. Stop seeing negative things. Stop assuming negative things. Stop speaking negative things. Open up your eyes and recognize where your help comes from. Your help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Now, now, point number two is God will validate the impossible. What was the one thing God told them when he said, your sins be forgiven you? They were so upset because they said, who can, percent, who can forgive sins but only God? Right? <laughs> you got to think about this for a moment. Where were they at? They were in a, in a culture, in a society that had been raised their entire life to believe the law. Except the high priest go in and make the yearly sacrifice, right? Except the blood be shed, right, from an animal that was innocent. Life for life. That's the way it was. And, they, and, and, and they've seen that their entire life for generation after generation. They held it, sec, uh, they held it sacred. Um, then here comes Jesus. Here comes Jesus. And Jesus steps into their world and totally begins to establish a new way, a new thing, a new way of believing. And he said, your sins are forgiven you. And it, they took offense to that. They said to themselves, this is blasphemy. He is speaking as God. I got news for you. He was God. That is you know what? If you really believe that, you should have just... In, in some places that believe that, when you say Jesus was God, they knew he had all authority, all power. He said, oh my gosh, it ought to, the Holy Ghost should re resonate with that within you right now. They said, that's blasphemy. He said, no, it's not, because he was God. That's a powerful revelation. It's a powerful revelation. Because when he walked in this world, he did things that only the prophets prophesied over. Isaiah said, we have no other Savior. The Lord God, the Lord God Jehovah, spoke through Isaiah and said, there is no other Savior, no, not beside me, there is no other. And when Jesus walked in this world, he forgave sins and stepped in as Savior of the world, and he manifested himself in human flesh. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God in John chapter 1 and 1. But in John 1 and 14, it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Somebody give him some praise right now. Oh, my God. Do you know, do you know who Jesus was? That's all I'm asking you. He wasn't just a prophet. He wasn't just a man. He was God in the flesh. Somebody holler right now. My God, your God 
came to this world, died on an old rugged cross, shed his blood for you and me. That's why, that's why the book of Acts says that God came and purchased the church with his own blood. Oh, my God. That's why I love him so much. I know who he was. I know who he was. He wasn't just a prophet. I don't care what other religions say. I don't care what their prophets found in a, in a forest. I don't care how many golden tablets they found. I don't care how many books they wrote. My Savior, my Redeemer, the prophet of all prophets, he died. He rose again. He ascended up into heaven. He descended into man's life, men and women. He gave them his spirit, and he has the power and the authority, and there's only one name given among men whereby we must be saved. <laughs> that one day every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Somebody shout amen. Amen. Oh, man, I can preach on this. I can preach on this. I can preach on this. I'm going to tell you another scripture. When Moses was in that moment when God manifested himself and Moses said, what do I tell Egyptian people? Who do I tell them sent me? What do I tell about, what do I tell Pharaoh? And that voice came out of the burning bush and that voice said, Moses, tell them that I am that I am. I am the great I am. I means self am means existence he tell them moses that i was a self-existent one nobody formed me nobody made me nobody created me i always was i always is and always will be but when jesus came into this world when jesus came into this world and they looked at him and he looked at the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and they began to ask him questions. And they said, who are you? And he said, why are you judging me, Jesus said. He said, Abraham saw my day, and he rejoiced. And they said, how can you, not even being 50 years old, even know about never seen Abraham? He goes, verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. That's what he was telling him. I am. That's why this past week when I'm telling you that Philip asked for signs and wonders and said, show us the Father, show us the Father, Jesus, and it will suffice us. And then he told Philip and he said, Philip, have I been so long time with you? He that has seen me has seen the Father. How saith then, show us the Father, he, don't you know that the Father is inside of me and I'm inside of him? There is no separation. I'm only one, folks. That's what he's trying to say. Don't worship multitude of gods. Worship the one true God. <laughs> worship the one true God. <laughs> well, you can't choose. I, that's the Holy Ghost, man. I wasn't talking about one God, but I am telling you, I am telling you, it is the very staple of Israel's belief. Here, oh, go look at the first commandment. Here, oh, Israel, the Lord our God is what? One. I don't have other gods. I don't go and worship other things in my life. 
My job is not my God. My business is not my God. And I'm going to say something, and I love this lady with all of my heart. She is my high school sweetheart, but I'm also going to tell you, and she knows this, I don't love her more than I love Jesus. But the reason I am head over heels for her is because I love Jesus more than her. So he keeps my heart pure. He keeps my mind right. He keeps me in love with her. He that finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Mm -mm. I thank God he made me a lover now and not a fighter. All I'm saying is only God only God. The reason why I feel like possibly the God, the Lord helped let me go down that road for a moment was to prove to you that once you make up your mind that Jesus can, the rest is history. He was trying to tell the world when he was here. He was trying to tell the world, listen, when you love me, you love the Father. If you depend on me, it's like depending on the Father because I come in my Father's name. He said that. He said, I come in my Father's name, but you receive me not. He also said that in, in Matthew, today in the Gospels, this day a son is born, and that shall call his name Jesus. And then Jesus told the disciples that the Father will send the Holy Ghost in my name. Jesus is representative of them all. That's why there's only one mediator between God and man. That's Christ Jesus. That's why no one can go. There's a... I know God is talking to somebody, so I'm going to keep on going. This is not in my notes. None of this has been in my notes. But... There's a doctrine that's in the world right now. It's very dangerous, very dangerous right now. It is scary, and I have made sure that my children know the truth. And you, as a parent, as a grandparent, as a big brother or big sister, need to also share and talk to your kids and family that they know the full truth. There is a doctrine going on, it has been for a while, by popular Entertainers by popular TV broadcast networks that there is no hell. That there is no hell. And, and how can a loving God send people to hell? I listened to Francis Chan, I believe it is. I even put it on my Facebook site because it shook me to the core. I've thought this for years. Put it on my Facebook page. You're friends with me? And by the way, if I'm friends with you on Facebook and I catch you putting all kind of garbage out there and you're hanging out at bars and you're drinking, doing all this stuff and you're tagging me and stuff, it won't be very long. I'm fixing to block you. Just telling you. That's the privilege I have is having social media. So get your act together if you want to be my friend. I love you. I love you. I'll pass to you. I love you, man, woman, lady, dear lady. That's why so many preachers even now, how many, times, how many times have you actually heard hell preach from the pulpit anymore? 
you know why people stopped preaching about it is because they started preaching. They used to preach it with, uh, with a, lot of, a lot of hate and a lot of attitude. And it was almost demeaning. And it was almost very condescending. But if I have ever preached on hell and talked about it, there's never one moment I've, never preached it, I've ever preached it without a tear in my eye. Because it's a real place. And people are playing games. And they're depending on everything else. But what's so scary about the scriptures is that when you read it, you know what you ought to do? And I'm going to recite Francis Chan because I, 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 don't, I think he has a wonderful ministry. And I, you know, no one's perfect. But I, have, I listen to a lot of preachers and I heard a lot of them. But sometimes they say something that's so profound it grabs a hold of me. But if you ever want to see what Jesus was really like, read everything that was in red. Just read the red. Just read the red and you'll find out Jesus was serious about heaven and Jesus was serious about hell. And at one place in the scripture, he even said that there are going to be many that say to me, Lord, Lord, that he said, depart from me, workers of iniquity. I never knew you. And that's knowing him. Those are believers, folks. Those are people that have said, Lord, I, I, I thank you for forgiving me and I thank you for becoming my savior. Uh, listen, I'm, I'm glad you got saved, but this this right here that we're living is more than just being saved. It's about being born again. It is about living the life. And we're patient. God is patient. I mean, thank God he was patient with me, right? Thank God he was patient with you. But we're not supposed to stop at your wonderful experience and build a whole city and a camp around it. You know, we're supposed to move on to further revelation, walking with Christ on a daily basis, growing in Christ in a daily basis. And if all that is a matter of, number one, understanding God will validate your salvation. He'll validate your forgiveness. Every single one of us, let me get back on track. Every single one of us has been forgiven by Jesus Christ. Somebody praise God. Every single one of us, we've been forgiven by Jesus Christ. But just because you may not have seen an angel, just because you may not had a miracle in your life, or just because maybe God didn't heal you, it probably wasn't God's fault. Maybe you lacked the faith. I don't know. I mean, only God knows. But just because you haven't seen those things doesn't mean God doesn't exist. Because according to this scripture right here, the greatest miracle was the forgiveness of sin. The greatest miracle was forgiveness of sin. But then he said, he validated it, and he said, that you may know that the Son of Man had the power to forgive sins. He said, now rise up and walk. He was more concerned about his salvation than he was making him whole physically. And I'm going to say something to you, and I've thought about this for a long time, but I'm going to tell you something. When it comes down to it, God is more concerned about you being saved than he is you being healed. If he knows that you being healed is going to make you rebellious and you're going to go out and party and you're going to go out and do what you want to do, uh, you know, I'm just going to tell you if that's your mindset, I've seen this so many times. There was a time I, I seen somebody come into this, truck, uh, this church, <laughs> almost a trunk junk, <clears throat> because he was drunk, but he was in church almost at trunch. Anyhow, I remember somebody coming into this church. They were drunk. Believe it or not, I've seen a lot of people come to this church that way. I never said a thing. I've tolerated it for a little bit. But then when the power of God is here, 
and someone comes in because they were desperate under the influence. I've seen it happen. I've seen people under the influence come in desperate for God, knowing they were far from God and they needed something from God. And I'll never forget, maybe some of you were here, there was an individual, a, a young man that came in. He was, he was limping in. He was walking in with crutches, I believe. His ankle was out. His ankle was out. He had got jumped by a gang. And he was his ankle, they beat it with a pipe. And he was sticking out his ankle. And he walked in hopping. He could barely walk. And he was under the influence. And by the time it was over, he asked us to pray for him. And, and before we could ever finish... Before we could ever finish, God healed him. But before God healed him, he said, Lord, forgive me for my sins. And to validate the invisible that happened in his life, I believe with all of my heart, that ankle that was out of sword, he looked down, he said, oh my God. And it got straight and it straightened up, it happened right back there. And it got straight, and then he started jumping up and down. He started going like this. He said, God healed me. He said, God did it. And he had no problem that night believing that God forgave him also. Because God will validate the impossible. The most impossible thing you and I have ever faced in our life was the forgiveness of sin. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Jesus forgave your sin. Jesus died on the cross for your sin. And that was the most impossible thing thing that you could ever have against you. But he did it. But he did it. Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you, right? You and I were Gentiles. I have a little Jewish blood in me, but still, I, we were Gentiles, man. I'm not full-blooded Jew. <laughs> I don't think, I don't know what would happen if I was. I probably, I don't know how I would act. I'd probably get kicked out of there too. Doesn't matter what your religion is or background is, what I'm trying to tell you. Your pedigree is it doesn't give you special privileges. The only special privilege you and I have is the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. I don't care what your last name is. I don't care how big your bank account is. Without the blood of Jesus, we are nothing. But from a different dispensation, you and I were now considered to be adopted unto the bloodline, forgiven, separate from the law. And the impossible was done. Somebody say, only God. <laughs> only God could have done that. Only God. I'm going to end right there. I have one more point, but I'm just going to end it right there. You see, the question you have to pose, I, I pose tonight and, and ask you is, is that if God did that impossible, shouldn't we have faith also for the things we can see? When God does something in your life is validation of your salvation. God wants to remove every mountain, every obstacle, and everything that comes between you and him. If your whole intent is to get that out of the way so you can serve him better, so you can be more effective in ministry or in your job and your life, I don't believe you can do life effectively with all these debts and all these problems and all these things. I believe it's God's purpose to prosper you as your soul prospers. I believe that. But the only time God's going to step in, you have to become desperate. You have to start putting the initiative there and be consistent with it. It's not based on your sacrifice. It's based on what the sacrifice he made. He made the ultimate sacrifice, okay? But your sacrifice is a product of your faith. But the ultimate sacrifice was already done at Calvary. 
So, you know, he doesn't love you more than he loves you right now because he proved it years ago when he sent his only begotten son and died for you. But what he needs is your faith. And he needs you to believe that he can do the impossible. But until you become desperate enough to take steps towards him, no matter what the obstacle is, your obstacle may be time. Your obstacle may be your mind. Your obstacle may be finance. Your, I don't know what it is. What is the obstacle? Don't make an excuse out of it. Make a way out of it. Piece by piece. Piece by piece. Start tearing it apart. Piece by piece. I got to get to Jesus. Piece by piece. I have to get in front of the Lord. Piece by piece. I have to hear from him. Piece by piece. I need to get into his presence. Piece by piece. I need this out of my life. Only God. Only God can. If you're in this place tonight, as we stand to our feet, if you're in this place tonight and you're in a moment that you know only God can, I want you simply, I want you to come down and I want you, we're going to pray with you. We're going to agree with you. I want you to know that God can, God will. If you've had faith to believe that God can forgive your sin, then you have had faith for the impossible. If you look at the Bible, you and I should never, ever had received and received salvation. But that was the miraculous. That was the impossible. And God did that. So whatever we face now, it's not too hard for God. For with men, things seem to be impossible. But with who? With God, what? All things are what? Say it again. With God, all things are possible. Say it again. With God, all things are possible. One more time. With God, all things are possible. Now lift up your hands tonight. Let's just pray. Stretch out your hands this way. If we have any elders tonight, please come up and pray with them that are here. Staff, come on staff. Come on, licensed ministers if you're here. Our mission here at Covenant Life Center is to help our world live, give, and love like Jesus. If our ministry has impacted you in any way, we would love for you to email us at info at clcvictoria.org. You can get connected with us through our social media at CLC Victoria and download our app.